welcome to the PaxX Podcast, available on iTunes. This is episode 24 of the show where we talk about everything to do with the passenger experience. I'm Mary Kirby, and I'm joined by my co-host, Max Flight. Max, how are you doing? Doing well, Mary. A busy week. This is a four-podcast week for me, so I know. all aviation, too. <laughs> <laughs> and I was lucky enough to be part of one of them. Um, I really right. enjoyed the Airplane Geeks podcast. That was that was a lot of fun. So thanks for having me on, Max. Our pleasure, as always. Before we get started, we'd like to thank eGate Solutions for sponsoring this week's podcast. We all want happy passengers. They buy more, and they're likely to be more loyal to your airline. But delivering a positive passenger experience is hard when you're relying on legacy systems and manual processes. eGate Solutions provides the technology behind onboard services, connecting and automating every step of an airline's operations from the warehouse to the passenger. With eGate, you can spend less time and money on the process and more on optimizing the passenger experience, which really is what we're all in the business of delivering. Visit eGate Solutions online at www.egate-solutions.com or email them at info at egate-solutions to learn more. Now, it's my great pleasure to introduce our guest today, Dominic Green, Executive Vice President Americas at InFlight Dublin, which is a content service provider to Airlines. Dominic recently joined InFlight Dublin from Talis, where he led development of content-related services for wireless IFE and connectivity solutions. He's also a member of the board of the Airline Passenger Experience Association. Dominic, thanks so much for joining us. How are you doing? I'm doing great, thanks, and thanks for having me join the uh, podcast today. Yeah, welcome back, Dominic. I think it was, uh, weren't you on episode 14 previously? It was about a year ago. Yeah. Yes, yes. Well, it's great to have you back. All right, well, let's take a look at some of the PaxX news stories that are making headlines. First, you've definitely heard about the claims from computer security expert Chris Roberts that he hacked into an IFE system, maybe even accessed engine controls and issued a command that resulted in a sideways movement of the aircraft. Well, Boeing, IFE experts, Panasonic, and others have hit back at these claims. Mary, you've been tracking this very closely, I know. What's the latest? Max, I got to tell you, it's been a crazy few weeks. <laughs> There's no other way to describe it. It's been nutty. Um, you know, Chris Roberts um, has actually, as it turns out, been making kind of uh, claims about IFE and, and SATCOM systems for quite some time. Um, but uh, he landed in some serious hot water when he published a tweet suggesting that he was going to toy around with the in-flight entertainment system on a on a United uh, narrowbody, and uh, and. And essentially, the FBI uh, responded and, and, and essentially met him at the airport and detained him and took his devices. And um, I have to say, I'm not sure what was more shocking, the resulting FBI report or the actual claims made within the report. Because the FBI, if you read it, it appears that this government agency didn't spend a whole lot of time trying to understand uh, IFE and C systems on board aircraft and really just kind of related, apparently, what Chris Roberts may or may not have said. So there's been kind of a lot of confusion, and, and, uh, and, and Chris Roberts himself has been backtracking a little bit on the claims, but it has opened up this giant conversation about uh, system security on board aircraft. And it's a conversation that I think everybody agrees the industry needs to have. Yeah, absolutely. It's, even if the claims prove to be untrue, I, I think the 
whole question of are there vulnerabilities is something that needs to be really examined closely. I know, Dominic, yeah. uh, what are your thoughts on it? Are, are you uh, as worried as some people are, or is this not, uh, not a big deal in your mind? Uh, I'm not particularly worried. I, mean, I travel a lot, and you know, I, I think anything to do with an airline, to do with in-flight, tends to get escalated and publicized a bit more than other systems, you know, other hacks. Um, but it just seems to be a common thread you know, throughout life. There, I think there was a hack into an IRS system just a couple of days ago where they stole a bunch of taxpayers' information. So I think it's just, as you said, it's just a general consideration and a heightened consideration for anyone developing any kind of software systems is to, you know, keep trying to keep up with these guys and, and get to the next level of security to prevent any, um, any people hacking in. I'll tell you what was interesting is that, uh, you know, in this piece we ran, uh, Boeing came out with a statement and uh, a couple of uh, IFE experts also, they, they really did truly uh, hit back at the very specific claims made in the FBI report. And those claims essentially suggested that Chris Roberts, uh, the hacker, uh, hacked the IFE system, gained access to engine controls and issued a climb command uh, resulting in a lateral movement of the plane. It's a very very heady claim, and, and Boeing and these others responded by saying, actually, you cannot uh, essentially steer the plane via the IV system. They are not connected in that way. What I find really interesting is that, uh, and this is why we were cautious with the piece, is that, yes, quite specifically to the types that were mentioned by Chris Roberts, the 737-800-900, the 757-200, and the A320, that might be the case. But, um, Max, there are uh, NDAs surrounding the Boeing 787, for example, and the uh, 747-8. And special conditions associated with these aircraft because they have much more integrated uh, connectivity. Uh, they're, they're considered truly E-enabled aircraft. So we actually don't know the level of integration, say, on certain new design types. So it looks like the claims that Chris Roberts may or may not have made, depending on whether you believe the FBI report, um, with specific regard to the aircraft types mentioned, uh, might not be accurate. But it's not to say that there aren't vulnerabilities um, with uh, with in other parts of these aircraft, um, perhaps uh, you could look at the SATCOM and the ACARS. Those are areas of known vulnerability on aircraft. And also uh, these, these new design aircraft. What, what do you think? Yeah, I, I think that uh, th there's a couple of issues. One is, you know, did he do anything or not? A, a lot of people, I think, are of the opinion that he probably did not. Uh, that right. the, the pilots would have noticed it if there were any change in the flight controls. And the flight data recorder would have, uh, and the other uh, uh, capture devices would have identified that. Or in, in other words, the forensics would be there to uh, to do a... Uh, to take a look at it and see if anything actually did happen. But the bigger issue is, could there be vulnerabilities in these systems? And I've always been a big proponent of using the, that term air gap. If there's an air gap, uh, then we're probably safe. If there's no air gap between systems, then, well, you know, <laughs> people find ways. <laughs> uh, even if there's a firewall, uh, there's ways you can hack firewalls. Uh, most people have routers in their homes for uh, Wi-Fi in their house. The latest round of technology that was released in those routers a few years ago uh, had a huge vulnerability in it that would allow people to uh, to hack into your home Wi-Fi system. That was mm. unexpected. It was unknown. Uh, if there are systems and they don't have an air gap, then I kind of 
remain of the position that someday somebody pretty smart, pretty clever uh, would, would find a way around the controls. Yeah, I guess that's the big question with respect to the new design aircraft. Um, is there or isn't there? And um, and to be completely candid, we really don't know 100% because, uh, again, a lot of it's under NDA. Um, but again, there are special conditions issued by the FAA a few years ago with specific regard to these types. So very interesting, the very latest development being that there is uh, yet another security expert calling for in-flight entertainment to be stopped in the interest of public safety. <laughs> One does get the sense that this is going a little too far, Dom. I don't, I, don't, I don't know if you've seen this piece yet, but essentially this man and other security professional colleagues are saying that they're not so sure it's safe to fly anymore and that IFE uh, should be turned off until uh, it is uh, deemed safe. What do you think about that? Is that t- totally inflammatory? <laughs> yeah, it's the first I've heard of it, but it, it does seem a bit... That does seem a bit extreme. I mean, if you're yeah. going to turn off the IFE system because someone could potentially hack into that and then into other systems, whether that's potentially true or not, it, mm. it would seem that you should, if you're going to go that, that far, you should turn off every system on the aircraft and maybe just ground them all together. <laughs> it just does seem a bit extreme. Yeah, it does seem draconian to me. You know, yeah. one thing that United Airlines has done recently that is kind of related to this is they've announced a bug bounty program. So if you think that you have found a bug or a potential bug that affects United Airlines websites or apps or online portals and you let them know if it meets certain requirements and turns out to be a, a legitimate a bug, United will give you award miles, as many as a million award mm. miles in the case of a, a very severe bug. But I mean, this is kind of a technique that's used in other industries, in other companies, is put it out there and say, hey, if you can find something, we'll give you some kind of a, of a reward. Now, it's a little bit different when you're talking about flight systems of an aircraft in the air. I mean, you don't want a lot of people to try to, uh, you know, find ways that they can defeat those, uh, those systems because the, the consequences are a little bit more dramatic than if you know, United's webpage goes down. But, you know, making things open source, putting the things out there so that the, the security experts and just the white hat hackers can have at it can be an effective way to identify vulnerabilities. Yeah, I agree. Although that United bug bounty is interesting because they make they're very explicit explicit in saying it's with respect with respect to their uh, their website and not their right. their in flight entertainment and connectivity systems. Um, but what's interesting as well is the fact that I don't know that white hat hackers would be satiated if the in-flight entertainment industry were to say, here are our boxes and and try try to break in. They're going to want to do so on aircraft. And and I guess the question is, is there anyone out there that would actually uh, supply that to the hackers to satiate them? Because I, if, if a Panasonic or a Talos were to hand them the boxes, you know, today, I don't think that's going to prevent these guys, whether they are the white or black hat variety, from from doing these experiments, apparently, in flight. Hmm. Well, sometimes if, you know, they release the source code, which they would never do, because I'm mm-hmm. sure it's it's totally proprietary, mm-hmm. uh, and they wouldn't want their competitors to see it. But uh, right. if you release source code to white hat hackers who can examine the code, they can find things sometimes about vulnerabilities, uh, buffer overruns, I mean, things like that that may not be adequately 
taken care of in the code. But yeah, I mean, there's no easy solution, certainly. And uh, I, I have to believe and I have to hope that the the, uh, the companies that provide these systems are taking the security of their systems very, very seriously. Yeah. 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 Absolutely. All right. Well, why don't we move on? Uh, next, we have a story about in-flight Dublin, which is developing its own wireless and portable IFE solution for airlines. Dominic, why did in-flight Dublin, a content service provider, opt to go in this direction as well? Um, yeah, as you said, and as you mentioned before, in-flight Dublin's um, kind of a long-established provider of IFE content management services to airlines. Um, and that's still a core part of our business. Um, but, you know, the world is changing, the world of IFE is evolving, and we felt a need to be able to offer a more diverse range of products and services to our airline clients. And I think the development of technology-led solutions such as the wireless and portable products is all part of that evolution. Um, you know, one of the key drivers is that we've got airline clients that look to us for more than just their content selection services. And they see us as a trusted partner um, in general and look to us to help manage their entire IFE solution. So for us, developing something in the way of a full service offering, including the software, the system, and the services from one provider is, is part of meeting that challenge and, and requirement from our clients. That's, um, it, it's, it's, it's nice to see you guys jumping into the space. Uh, In-Flight Dublin being uh, a, a leading independent content service provider uh, to airlines. We've seen some consolidation in the industry, Dom, obviously, particularly with Global Eagle. Um, you guys, are you staying the course as an independent uh, company in this space? Um, yeah, absolutely. I, I, I believe we are the largest independent uh, mm -hmm. CSP, um, not not part of any bigger corporation or group. Um, we we're definitely staying the course. We've just had a couple of client wins. Um, Egypt Air was the last one to be announced, and, we, and we've got another couple of clients that we can't announce yet, but th those will be announced shortly. Um, that's all on the CS CSP side, but also on some of the expanding services that we're doing as well. For example, creative design work. One of the new clients we have is is a GUI design project. So. Um, we're definitely staying the course. We've seen a lot of expansion over the last couple of years. And, and part of me joining in flight doubling and setting up our operation in the U.S. is to continue that expansion on this side of the pond as well. Dominic, how does this look to the airline passenger? What is the experience from the passenger standpoint? What do they see uh, that's different about the in-flight uh, entertainment solution that in-flight Dublin is offering? Um, well, I guess, first of all, I, I think it's important to say that any solutions we're providing are fully branded and or able to be branded by the airline. So what the airline passenger sees is a, a branded experience from, from the airline, however they choose to present that and deliver that to the passengers. Um, so they don't necessarily see anything that's um, coming from in-flight Dublin. Um, what they do get, however, I think from us with, with the newer solutions that we've developed is a more holistic experience, um, similar to what they would experience beyond the ground, which is... You know, people are not just consuming content in isolation. They're 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 engaging in a variety of um, you know services and activities that that goes beyond just watching movies and TV. So the systems we're deploying, the portable and wireless solutions that we're deploying, are aimed at kind of complementing that experience that you would get on the ground. And and for some airlines and for some passengers, the non-content services are, can be more important and more of a requirement than than the movies and TV. You know, especially if you're on a you know, short haul regional flight. Um, you know, you might want to engage in some of the added value services that we've developed. For example, destination related tours and concert booking and and things like that. 
Dom, um, you know, one of the things that I find interesting uh, about this piece is that uh, you guys are using uh, uh, hardware, actually, that is open source, Contron. Uh, they've kind of become a, a bit of a darling of the, uh, the in-flight entertainment industry. They're, they're powering kind of a lot of systems out there. Um, why, why gravitating towards open source hardware for your system versus going a proprietary route? Um. I think our, our expertise is, obviously comes from the services side, from the, the creative side, mm-hmm. and that's and that's an area that we that as part of the kind of evolution of our products and services that I mentioned earlier, it made sense for us to focus on what we could do on the services side. Um, so, although we're managing all the software development for these new products and services, we didn't feel that hardware was our you know ex- area of expertise, and and we didn't see a need to get in into that area. So, we'd rather work with credible partners that can bring that piece to the overall solution. Contron's one of them, um, but what we've tried to do with our software solutions is make sure that they're somewhat platform agnostic. So if, uh, if an airline or a, a system provider has their own hardware, then the, we could potentially put our software onto that existing um, hardware infrastructure and not have to go through a recertification just for the sake of putting our own hardware on. Uh, gotcha. Max, uh, you might find this interesting. Someone on, uh, on, on Twitter said, uh, ironically, uh, the, the airlines that either don't offer IFE or are doing the wireless IFE uh, may be less vulnerable than those with the embedded systems. I thought that was an interesting <laughs> way of, yeah, you know, <laughs> if, if somehow that gives uh, wireless IFE guys even, a, even more of a, a selling point there, it, it, it was kind of interesting. Yeah, back to the security issue. Mm-hmm. I'd sort of like to explore a little bit this this idea of uh, packaging in-flight entertainment for passengers versus just giving them open access and connectivity to whatever they want to get to. You know, in the old days, AOL, America Online, remember them? Packaged internet content for users and for the those that were technically disinclined, AOL was the internet. So are we at a sort of a similar point in the IFE-like uh, life cycle where we're packaging IFE content for passengers and that may not be where we end up. Uh, any, any thoughts on that? Yeah, I think, um, I, I think it's a little bit different with airlines. Um, you enter a, an environment where you expect to be offered a uh, kind of a tailored, a customized experience anyway. So, so the idea of packaging a, an experience, which includes you know, different content activities and services, I think is, is acceptable to passengers. Um, and it's what you're seeing more on the ground anyway. You're, you're seeing services offer these kind of packaged experiences, where, whether you're at home or in the office um, anyway. Um, and that includes packaging it with advertising and sponsorship as well. And people seem to be quite accepting of that. So it's no different in flight. Yeah, it's an interesting point because, I mean, Facebook is a packaged experience in a way, isn't it? Exactly, yeah. Yeah. All right, last uh, but not least, we want to talk to Dominic about the upcoming Passenger Choice Awards. They invite air travelers from, well, around the world to rate recent flight experiences. Dominic, Apex hosts the awards every year. Why is this an important thing that passengers should contribute to? Um, Yeah, I think the Passenger Choice Awards are a great way for passengers to let the airlines know how they feel about their products and services. Um, You know, this isn't just uh, an an award that is selected by a kind of somewhat removed group of judges that don't necessarily experience the in-flight you know, experience themselves. So this is about passengers telling the airlines what they think of, of what the airlines are offering them. And what we do with the awards program is we, we give the airlines that are participating um, the feedback that we gather from the surveys. Um, so they have a chance to respond, not, not just because they, you know, depending on 
their success in the awards program itself, but they can see the data that tells them are there areas that they need to improve upon, are there areas that, that they're doing well. Um, so we, we think it's a win-win for both the passengers and the airlines. The passengers get to have a voice and the airlines get to um, respond and, and um, adapt their in-flight experience appropriately. Dom, one of the things I love about this survey is that uh, a passenger doesn't have to uh, sit there for, for half an hour going through a bunch of questions. They can pick an aspect of, uh, of their in-flight experience and rate that particular aspect, whether it's their IFE experience or their seat experience or their check-in experience, um, which is great because it means that if you've got a few minutes and you want to make sure that your voice is heard, you can sit down and you can do uh, the survey and then you can come back if you have the time to do another aspect of, of the in-flight experience. Um, so I, I love the fact that it, it's kind of set up that way that the kind of folks that are really busy but still want to participate uh, can, can kind of allocate their, their time in that way. But I've also noticed on social media, particularly this year, that it seems to be really picking up steam, which is exciting as well. Um, it, it looks like passenger choice, the word is getting out. And, and I guess that's in part as well to the fact that the, the airlines are pushing it more. Am I right? Uh, yeah, the, a couple of things that we've done, exactly as you said, we've, we've tried to make the um, survey itself as easy to complete as possible. We've tried to simplify the questions to touch on the key areas and also split it up into different areas of the experience so that you know if you didn't have in-flight entertainment on your flight, you're not forced to answer a bunch of questions about something that's not relevant. You could just focus on you know, the connectivity or the service or whatever is important to you uh, to feedback on it as a passenger. Mm. Um, and then, yeah, the other area has been marketing as well. We work with a couple of partners. We work with people like Expedia in the past, um, Lonely Planet, people like that to try and get the message out there that this is a, an award program for the passengers to give their feedback. And then also help, help the airlines as well to get out there and promote the um, program because we think it's in their interest to get this feedback. The other great thing as well is if, you, if you're successful in the awards is as an air, we've seen a lot of airlines use their, um, their success, their results as a, as a marketing tool and they've gone out there and said to passengers, hey, you know, we have the best in-flight entertainment or the best connectivity um, so fly with us. So again, it's about offering a program that's um, appealing to you know, the airlines and the passengers. So it's working with both ends of those communities to make sure this whole program works. And these awards are going to be handed out then at the annual Airline Passenger Experience Association Expo, correct? Yeah, the, um, the, uh, the awards event will be on the mon Monday, the 28th of September, I believe, um, at the Expo this year, which will be in Portland, Oregon. Which I love the fact that it's in Portland. I, I do. I mean, I, <laughs> I know that uh, I know that um, there's been a number of years now where where the expo has been held in obviously the LA area, um, due in, in part because of all the content providers in that area, of course, and the IFE industry having kind of set up general shop in in Southern California. But um, but I'm so excited that Portland has been chosen. It seemed like kind of an obscure choice to some, but um, for me, it's, it's nice. I've never been to Portland. Max, have you ever been out there? Uh, just Portland, Maine. Oh, okay. <laughs> I'm actually going there in a few weeks, but no, that's, yeah, Oregon, it's, it's got a very progressive uh, kind of mindset as well, which is exciting. Now, this survey, it's, it's not a general survey about all of your, exper your experiences in total, right? This is about a specific trip you took, right? So that if you uh, t fly multiple times, you can complete the survey for each of those, uh, each of those trips. Isn't that right? Yeah, we've tried to, um, again, this is about providing airlines with relevant data. We've tried to make sure the feedback is not general, that it's tied to specific 
experiences so that we can, you know, we can get make sure the data is a, as relevant as possible. And people can contribute to the survey data until, what, June 30th? Yeah, we for the last couple of years, we did a year-round survey, and we found that was quite hard to manage. Um, it also was challenging for, if we're asking airlines to work with us and help promote the awards, it's, it's challenging for them to promote the awards year-round. So this year, we've gone back to doing a, um, uh, it's actually a two-month rotation. So for the whole of this month and, and to the end of June, we the, the awards program is open and people can go in to the online survey and submit their feedback. Yeah, I guess, and we'll include this in the uh, accompanying piece, of course, but um, uh, we would direct people to go to the PassengerChoiceAwards.com to, uh, to get started on, uh, on filling this out. And uh, essentially, they can fill it out in, in, in any uh, language, really. All the options are there. Um, so uh, exciting times, and I'm, I'm really looking forward to seeing what comes out of this, Dom. Yeah, we've got, I think we have, currently have 13 languages running from Arabic to French, German, Turkish. Um, and, you know, and we're always open to adding more languages if we get a request and support from an airline to do that, do that in the future. Um, and if anyone wants, that's the passengerchoiceawards.com is the specific site for the, the survey. But um, if people need any more details, there's also the apex.era website where people can get more general information about the awards and the association. Perfect. Well, we're rapidly coming to a close. We want to thank our listeners. And remember, you can find us online at runwaygirlnetwork.com and on iTunes. Be sure to follow all the Runway Girl Network activity on Twitter at at runwaygirl. And remember to use the PexX hashtag when tweeting about the passenger experience. Join into the very exciting conversation now around PexX. I'd like to reiterate our thanks to our sponsor, eGate Solutions. And I'd like to thank Dominic for being our guest. Dominic, where can listeners find you at? Uh, yeah, I can be reached uh, by email at dominic.green at inflightdoubling.com um, or people can give me a call on 562-485-8235. Great. Thank you, Dominic. And thank all of you for listening. Be sure to join us again next time as we talk about the passenger experience on the PaxX Podcast. Take care, everyone. Take care, everyone.